we have been looking at faith, uh, this great chapter of faith, and we're going to continue. Last week we looked, last time we were here, we looked at Noah, and we're going to continue now with Abram. We're going to try and stick to what it says in Hebrews about Abraham. Um, we could go off at so many different tangents because there's so much in his life, but we won't have time to go into all of that. But we're going to read uh, the first verse in chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 8. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. It says in the Amplified that he was urged on by faith. And it says that he went out not knowing where he was going. And as we uh, start off uh, looking, just I think we'll go through this just verse by verse. I think uh, this is a good place for us to remind ourselves of the gigantic step that Abraham took when he trusted God and moved out of everything that was familiar to him. Everything that was familiar. He had been brought up on Ur of the Chaldees, a pagan place. And we know that God spoke to him because it tells us in Acts chapter 7 that the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. And God said to him, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. And, uh, and he moved in obedience by faith. Something happened. There was an encounter between Abraham and God that uh, I can't describe. It's not given to us fully in scripture, except that God told him to get out of where he was. And as I've been meditating about this over the last few days, I've been thinking what that might mean for us. Because I believe that God is always wanting us to be on the move. I believe he always wants us to move into another place in our lives, another position that is closer to him. He's drawing you closer all the time. And he wants you to get out of where you are. And he wants you, he wants you to let it go. And for Abraham, it meant leaving what was familiar. It meant leaving an old way of, of life. It meant leaving an old way of thinking, an old mindset. And I believe God is calling us to do that. To move out of our old ways of thinking, our mindsets, the things that would keep us stuck where we are. And over the weekend, we were looking at how God wants to give us breakthrough to press into the next place that is closer to God. And for each of us, that's a different place. But God's saying, come on to me. Come on to me, you're laboring at a heavy laden. I will give you rest. He wants to bring us into a new place. And so Abraham made this amazing choice to leave all, and it was a step of faith. I'm sure when he took that step to bring his family out of Ur of the Chaldees, I'm sure if when he took that step, I'm sure that the enemy tried to bring fear on him to stop him going forwards. Would you agree with me? And isn't that what stops us? It's a fear of stepping out of our, of our comfort zone. It's a fear of what the future might hold. And it's a fear of what might happen if we really, totally trust God and believe him. The enemy just steps in right away with fear and to try and stop us. Anxieties, fears of the future, fears from the past, all kinds of stuff to try and hold us back. 
This morning, as we went into the prayer room, there was something, a, a quote from, uh, from Alan Redpath, who is now dead. He was a, a preacher whenever I was very young in Capenry, and I just loved his teaching when I, whenever I was in my teens and 20s. And there was a quote, something that he said that kept ringing through my mind this morning. I was on the phone in the prayer room whenever everybody else was praying, trying to get this quote online, because I knew that it was there somewhere. And I want to read it to you, because I do believe it's a word from God for many of us this morning. So you listen, got your ears pricked up. Here's what Alan Redpath said, and I just think it's beautiful. There is nothing, no circumstance, no trouble, no testing that can ever touch me until, first of all, it has gone past God and past Christ right through to me. If it has come this far, it has come with a great purpose which I may not understand at the moment. But as I refuse to become panicky, and as I lift up my eyes to him and accept it as coming from the throne of God for some great purpose of blessing to my own heart, no sorrow will ever disturb me. No circumstances will cause me to fret, for I shall rest in the joy of what my Lord is. That is the rest of victory. Now, I know that we have to go through real grief, that's our journey and we would be wrong not to go through it because God wants to bring us through the valley of the shadow of death. But he wants to bring us through and he wants to bring us into that place of greater rest and greater security. And he wants to even take all the hard things in life and he wants to work them together for good. Not only to bless us but to make us a blessing. And as Abraham stepped forth, the word that God gave him was that he was going to bless Abraham and he was going to make Abraham a blessing. And that's still the word over your life, that God wants to bless you. And sometimes his blessings are, are, sometimes they come in strange packages and sometimes we can't understand what he's doing. But all the time he is wanting to bless you and to increase the capacity in you for more of his love and more of his presence and more of his anointing so that you can be a greater blessing to the world. Because listen, Abraham, we're going to see this morning, he realised that this is not it. This time that we have on earth is not it, but I'm getting away ahead of myself. So I wanted to just say that to you, that uh, God wants us to have confidence. And that's been a word in Hebrews over this last season, that God wants us to have confidence that he is in control and that he does want to bless us and take us forward. But it is a step of faith. Watchman Nee says this, the Christian experience from start to finish is a journey of faith. And that's the truth. Francis Franzipan says this, and, and I actually, as I, I wrote, took the time to write this down this morning, because in my spirit, I felt this was a word for somebody this morning. Beloved, I say, let your fears go, lest they make you faint-hearted. Stop inspiring fear in those around you, and now take your stand in faith. God has been good, and he will continue to manifest his goodness. Let us approach in these days with expectation to see his goodness. Let us be strong and of good courage for the Lord will fight for us if we stand in faith. You see, faith is the key. And the Bible says, Hebrews 11 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
And so we have to have faith that he is working for us and that he is a good God and he's a God who is for us and not against us. You know, how often, I don't know about you, but how often the enemy comes to try and make us think that God's against us. And so as far as, as Abraham was concerned, he made this decision to leave everything he knew and to step out. And I was reminded last night of Jim Elliot. I don't know how many of you remember the story of Jim Elliot, a real life story of a man who went out to Ecuador, um, it would have been early, maybe 40, 50 years ago, I can't remember the exact date. He went out with, I think there was three of them, if I'm right, and they went out there to, to try and win the Aka tribe uh, uh, for Christ. And all of them were, were massacred, they were like cannibals, and they, he lost his life. But here's what he said, and I think it's amazing that a man could say this who had given his life for God. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to get what he cannot lose. And you see, when you let stuff go and you trust God, the stuff, you know, you're trying to hold on to stuff. You can't keep it because this world is passing, we're passing on. But when you trust God, you're actually getting and laying hold of something that you cannot lose. And that's the faith that pleases God. And so we see that Abraham obeyed God. He just simply obeyed. And I've been really struck about the need to obey God. And, and in the little things as well as in the big things of life. He wants us to hear his voice and to just simply obey. When he prompts you to do something, just to do it. And I believe that's a word for all of us. And then it tells us in Romans 4, the first four verses say that Abraham believed God and it was counted as righteousness. In other words, when, when he believed God and took a step of faith, God saw that faith as being enough for him to be covered in righteousness. See, we're going to see that Abraham, uh, Abraham, I believe, later on in his life, later on he understood that Messiah would come through his family tree and that, that, that Jesus was going to die for his sins. And I, uh, we're going to see that I believe Abraham got, a, got an understanding of that, that God revealed that to him. But at this stage, he didn't understand what he was doing. He was just obeying. And you know, that's all God wants from us, just to obey and faith, to trust him, to step out. That's the story throughout the scripture. We walk by faith and not by sight. Whenever I was training in the 1977-78, I went to England to do a six-month course on training for mobility for the blind. And uh, we had to put a, our training involved putting a, a, a covering over our eyes and with a long cane, and they taught us how to go about, you know, without being able to see. And they took us to, uh, they took us to a school that we'd never seen before. And that's what we learned. So we never actually saw where we were going. We had to learn how to go around the school and do different things. And the last part of it involved going down to uh, downtown Birmingham and having to get a bus into Birmingham with a blindfold on. Can you imagine? And uh, going up to into a shopping centre and we had to do all of this on blindfold. But there's one of the days that I was out on my own around the neighbourhood and of course my instructor was somewhere I didn't know where he was and I was walking along the road and I came to the edge of the road and I was standing doing all I was told and stepping my feet together on the edge of the curb and we were told take the first step forward that was very important because you're going in the right direction so I do everything but I must have been standing slightly crooked and I took the step forward and I'm going with a long cane and I went like this and out like this and I thought I was crossing the road I didn't know I was doing a big, big U-turn, and I ended up on the same side. 
and I was saying no, I'm following all the instructions, just going the opposite direction. <laughs> do you know that we can do that spiritually sometimes? <laughs> but God wants us to keep our eyes on him and get focused and step out towards him, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It's him we look to. And don't look any other direction because we've got to cross this, we've got to keep going, and we've got to keep going in faith. And you know what? I just love the fact that even though we fail God, even though we let him down, and if we had time to go over Abraham's life and his wife Sarah's life, we would see that they fail God many times. But you know what? I woke up this morning and actually I did, you know, all of us feel condemnation. Am I right? I woke up this morning feeling a bit condemned about something, just being honest like. And I just felt a wee bit bad about something. And I woke up and you know, I just felt the word that came to me was, his, his mercies are new every morning. And I got up and I went down to prepare the rest of the notes and finish them off. And just as I sat down, I heard a wee twip on my phone. And it was Jerry Emerson. And she sent me a text, and you know what she said? His mercies are new every morning. Isn't God amazing? Because you know what? He's such he's a God that loves you so much and loves me so much that he died that we would be free from condemnation. Romans 8 says there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And you know, even though we fail, we're just human, the same as Abraham and, and Sarah. I mean, they messed up big time. We'll not, we'll not bring it all out into the light just now. But they did on different occasions. And they did stuff, repeated stuff. And they got it wrong. And so will you, and so will I. And I have got so many things wrong during my lifetime. And even, as I say, up to last night. And, you know, this is because we are human beings and we're weak and we're frail. But, you know, this is the amazing thing. God, the thing is that God's mercies are new every morning. And when Jesus died on the cross, he died for your sins past present and future and you know what if I didn't believe that I don't know what I would do because I know my own nature and I know I still get it wrong and I know you do too and so God wants us to be able to enjoy that and to um, to to trust him even whenever we get it wrong and so we see that Abraham Abraham left all to go to claim his inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going you know that's what faith's all about. If it was all written out in the sheet and you knew every step of the way, it wouldn't be faith. And so I believe that there's been a number of you, maybe, maybe most of you, there's something going on in your life and God's saying, will you take that step of faith? You know, crossing over the Red Sea, they had to, take the, they had to step in. The Jordan River, they had to step in. Everything comes by faith. When, when God told Moses to put the rod out, he had to put the rod out in the sea. The sea opened up and they went through. There's a going through. There's a trusting. There's, a, there's an obedience. Faith. You see, faith without works is dead. That's what James tells us. And so often we think, well, I'm believing, I'm believing. But if our believing doesn't put feet on us and legs that we actually step out, it's, it's, it's actually, you know, we have to trust him. We have to rest. We have to do our part of resting in him. That's what faith means. It means faith without works is dead. And Abraham believed God and he stepped out in faith. 
and he entered into the land. It says in verse 9 of Hebrews 11, By faith Abraham dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And so we see that Abraham lived in tents. In other words, whenever he got to the promised land, you know, he stepped out and he believed God and God took him right into the, the land of Israel, right into the promised land. But you see, when he got there, he was still living by faith because he didn't build himself a big castle and put his roots down here. He was, he was still living as a nomad. He was living in tents. He, 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 he was believing that his earthly home wasn't actually here. And it says, For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He only said my wee thing I'm, so, I'm, I'm sucking from here that Helen Bruce gave me over the weekend. <laughs> It's a great job, you can just suck it up and carry on. <laughs> That's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> so, we see that he dwelt in a land of promise in a foreign country. Now, you know what? I believe there's a couple of things. I believe that, that uh, it's very easy for us to get rooted down here. I mean, we're all kind of guilty of it. We like the comfort and we can get rooted down. But there's nothing nice... There's nothing wrong with having a nice home. In fact, I think we should have a nice home. But there's nothing nice. There's nothing wrong with having, you know, enough money to cover our needs and all of that, and to have a holiday. There's nothing wrong with that. But whenever those things become more important than our spiritual inheritance, then there is something wrong. And God wants us to appreciate that we don't actually belong here. Abraham realized that he belonged to a heavenly city, not one made with hands. He realised that he belonged to another world. And you know what, ladies, that's what we need to, to, to keep reminding ourselves, that we are not of this world, that we're strangers and pilgrims and foreigners in this world. We do not belong. We should not try to be imitating what the world... And the world is actually, as we all know, the world is speeding forward into into the, the lowest of morals and, and lack of values and we should not have those same morals or those values. We should be different. We should and we should be willing to speak up to be different and we should know that we do not belong to this world. And and, and not only did Abraham know that he didn't belong to this world, but he realised he had a different inheritance that where he was going, he was going to a city whose builder and maker was God. And you know I love I love um, Revelation 21 where it talks about that city. And that's where we're going. We're going to a city. We're going to a place where the bride of Christ will spend time with God. Where we will. I, I personally believe that Jesus, from scripture, I know that he's going to set up his kingdom on the earth. And the Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And I believe without doubt that we are going to, to share uh, our time with him, with, with, our, with our beloved um, bridegroom, we're going to spend time in the heavenly city, but I personally believe we'll be up and down to the to the earthly kingdom. I believe his kingdom will be on earth and there'll be a heavenly city and, and maybe I'm carrying it a bit too far, but I personally believe just at that sense that I'm saying it, not the Bible. I'm saying it. I personally believe that we'll be able to have a, a body that can move through space, just as Christ's resurrection body. 
and he was able to appear one place and go through a wall or whatever, that's the kind of body we're going to have, a resurrected body. It's going to be different to this body. And I personally believe that we will be with him uh, and we will be moving from that, from that heavenly city with the, 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 the golden streets and the jasper and all those beautiful, all those beautiful stones and all the rest of it. I personally believe that we will be so different and with a different body altogether that we will actually be here with him when he's ruling on earth as well. Is that not just an exciting thing that it's not, this is not it. This is not it. Abraham understood that. He was living in tents. He was living in temporary accommodation. He wasn't putting his roots, he wasn't saying this is my permanent dwelling place. He knew this was temporary. And you know, 2 Corinthians 5 and 1 says, For we know that if this earthly tent in which we live is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. 2 Corinthians 5 is speaking about our earthly body as being like a tent. And, and there's a, a verse somewhere, I just can't remember exactly where it is, where it, maybe it's actually going on with that verse, it, it, with that um, reference, where when death comes, it's just like dismantling that, that tent. Now Jane and William and I like to go camping. We like to try and get once a year for camp. And uh, we, you want to see us putting up this big tent, like it's a big tent. And uh, we can put it up and William stands and he helps us so much because he watches us. <laughs> And, uh, and then the thing is that sometimes if, if we take a notion that we're going to go home, the weather's bad or something, you want to see how quickly we can pull that tent down <laughs> and wrap her up and away we go. And you see, we don't know whether, uh, we don't know really much about, you know, about what happens at death except that the, the tent comes down and our spirit goes to be with Christ. Paul said it will be absent from the body and present with the Lord. It's going to be like that. And, and we have an amazing future, and this is not it. And we're only like a tent that is in this world for whatever length of time. I'll be 70 tomorrow. I'm, I'm believing for many years to come. Thank you, Big Anne, for the words that I'll still be preaching at 80 and beyond. Thank you. And, and I'm believing that, that, that God, uh, God has so much more for us. And, and we are joint heirs with Christ. Abraham, it says here in, in Hebrews that uh, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise um, the, uh, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. He realised that he was an heir of God's inheritance. We have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. And we need to know that this inheritance is real. It tells us in Ephesians 1, in him we have obtained an inheritance and the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. At the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit came to live in you and he's the guarantee, he's the seal, he's the one who sealed you that you will actually step in. And, and, and Romans 8 tells us that we are joint heirs with Christ. All that he has purchased. I mean, it's amazing the inheritance that, that Abraham got a glimpse of. He only got a glimpse of it. And we got a greater glimpse because we are this side of the cross. And it tells us in Colossians 1, verses 12 to 13, that we should be giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. And he has already delivered us from the power of darkness. We're already delivered. We have a, an inheritance and we belong to God. And in 1 Peter 1, it tells us that we have an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade away. 
I tell you, I don't know what you think, but I think that is good news that we have uh, an inheritance to look to. You see, as I've written in your notes here, Abraham was out of step with the world, and whenever we, whenever we keep our eyes on Jesus and we trust him and obey him, whenever we, we, we choose to believe him and to rest on him, we, we as well will find ourselves out of step with what the world says and the way the world thinks. And First Peter 2 says, Dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents uh, and foreigners, to keep away from worldly desires that war against your souls. I'll tell you out there, you know what the world is full of? It's full of, of, of false comforts that will drag you down. It's full of fear. It's full of, of, of all kinds of empty promises from the enemy that he will give you the good life. The world has nothing to give us. Only Christ can satisfy us. And when we, when we get sidetracked and distracted and begin to look to the world to satisfy our souls, do you know what happens? Our, you remember we, over recent weeks we realised your soul is your mind, your will and your emotions. And, and when, when, whenever you start to look the wrong direction and look away from God and look to the world to satisfy you, actually your mind and your will and your emotions start going down. And that's why so many people who are out there don't know the love of God and they, they don't have any comfort, any real comfort. It's, everything's temporary and fleeting and passing away. They have no roots in God and they've no true joy because this world will not give, will not give true joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. And we only know that through Christ. And so it's so important that you know who you are, that you know that you belong to God. And First Peter 2 and 9 says that we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people. I mean, is that not amazing that you're chosen? That you're God's special woman? That he loves you? And you know, as we look on at this, we realise that, that not only Abraham believed God and waited, because God had promised Abraham that he would give him a son, and in his son that there would all the blessings to the world would come through his son, and he waited and waited, and the son, as we know, the son never, never came. But not only was Abraham believing for a son, but so was his wife Sarah. With all our wee foibles and all our wee mistakes, Sarah was also in, I just love the fact that it mentions Sarah here, because it says, by faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged God faithful who had promised. You know, I love that verse. I just love the fact that it was faith that gave Sarah the strength to, to conceive the seed that brought forth the son. Sarah was an old, old woman. I forget what age she was now. She was well in her 90s. She might even have been 100. She was way past the age where naturally she could have a child. But through faith, she received strength to conceive. And she brought forth this boy called Isaac, which means laughter, joy and laughter. In, the, in Isaac, the promises of God were all in Isaac in her son. And I love it because Sarah made a choice to believe God. She chose to believe. By faith, she received the strength to conceive. I wonder what God wants to conceive in your spiritual womb today. 
Over the weekend, we were talking a lot about women and how God gave them physical babies, but how God wants to give us spiritual babies. And, and you see, if we want to have spiritual conception, God can give you the strength that you need for that. And I would love today that the Holy Spirit would just release that strength for you to lay claim and just to just to declare, God, I want that seed. I want to receive that seed by faith. And I will have the strength to bring forth what it is that you want to birth in my life. There are plans for every single one of your life. There are people that only you can reach. There are things that God has been shaping you for and, and, and making you ready for. He's been preparing you for a long, long time. And, and it's through the hardships. Ladies, I can't emphasize this enough. Your preparation is not an easy street. Your preparation to do God's business is coming through the rough times. The times when it, everything in you is crying out and saying, God, why? That's what Jesus experienced on the cross. My God, my God, why? He was a real man who felt the reality of that. And if we're going to be innocent for God, we will have to come through hard times because that's how God prepares us. And it's the rough times and the times that you look back on and you cringe about and you, you think, oh God, how did I ever come through that? God brought you through to bring you into what he has planned for you because he wants to gather it all up and he wants you to trust him to gather it up and to work it together for good to bring you into the plans and purposes. Wouldn't it be awful if through all of your pain, if somehow you went through it all and you missed out of the purposes that God intended to use all that pain for? Because that's your preparation times. If we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. And so God wants us to grow. And Sarah, I believe Sarah, she says she judged him faithful. Do you know, she made a judgment. I wonder, are you ready to make a judgment about your situation? Are you ready to say, God, you know what? I'm going to make a choice to believe. I'm, I'm going to make a choice. I am judging and, and believing that you're able for this situation. I don't know about everybody in here. I don't know what you're going through. But one thing I do know is that a lot of you are going through stuff. I know that. I know that because I'll tell you what. Life is tough. And times are difficult. But God wants us to make a judgment. He wants us to judge whether he's good or not. He wants us to judge is he trustworthy. He wants us to make the judgment because Sarah made the judgment. She made a judgment that she could trust God. And it says she judged him to be faithful. And so it says, therefore, it goes on, it jumps from Sarah then to verse 12, and it goes back to Abraham, and it says, therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky and multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. I'll tell you what, so often when God wants to do something in our lives, somehow or other, we were talking about this in the prayer room earlier, Somehow or other, it's like the seed has to die. It's like what the promise that God gives you is like a seed. And just as you put a seed into the ground and it has to die in the ground, so often we have to go through that time of feeling, well, that's gone, that's dead. There's no possible way that can happen. And you know what? Until nearly you've come through that, God can't actually bring it up. And this time of the year, when you see the flowers stringing up, when you, you realise they have been dead over the winter, but resurrection's here. And God's big, big time into resurrection. And he wants you and he wants me to let stuff die in our flesh. And say, you know what, God? It's you who do it. It's not me. You do it. And I trust you. 
and I let it, I let all my hopes die and I'm just going to say, you do what you're going to do. And you know what? Resurrection comes and that's what God loves. And so out of an old man, Abraham, and an old woman who were both physically so old that their bodies were incapable of reproducing a baby in the womb. Both of them, not one of them, but the both of them were as good as dead. And what did God do? He brought forth this son, this boy, called Isaac. I wonder, you know what I love about God? Whenever we trust God and he brings forth what he's purposing in our lives, you know what, what it always means? And I'm telling you this, when you trust God, you know what it always means? It means joy and laughter. Honestly, believe me, it might be dark going through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Believe you me, whatever you're going through right now, you make a judgment to trust God that he is good. And you know what? He will take you through. And so we see that, that Sarah and Abraham, it says, uh, we just skip down, it says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises in full. The full inheritance is still to come to, to Abraham. He wasn't going to see all the, the, the fruit would come from Isaac. He wasn't going to see all that would happen down the family line right down to Christ. But he, by faith he received it. And it says, for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have, they would have an opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And so there was no turning back for Abraham. By faith, Abraham was trusting God. He was moving forward. Now, verse 17 to 19 is the last wee section. And we're going to trust the Lord for this wee bit. Because this is dealing with... Uh, the, the time in Abraham's life when he was going to be asked by God to trust God to, um, to, to go through a testing that God was going, to, was going to give him. Let me just read it to you. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only beloved son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Sarah and Abraham had believed God for the impossible. And this morning, early on in this morning, I felt that word just run through my head where Jesus said, all things are possible, only believe. And there was somebody in the prayer room this morning who, I forget, it was you Daphne, somebody who God had given that verse to as well. And I think that's a verse for somebody, that you need to remind yourself that all things are possible, only believe. I believe that God wants you to trust him completely. Sarah and Abraham trusted him. They got their miracle of receiving the life out of deadness. But you know what? They got it because they chose to believe and they chose to speak it out. I just, uh, uh, before I run into this next bit, I've just realized there's a very important verse I need to, I need to, I need to um, read to you. And it's from Romans chapter four. And this is before Isaac was born. It says that, that uh, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which, which do not exist as though they did, and Abraham who contrary to hope and hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness 
of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was what God had promised, he was able to perform. Therefore, it was counted to him for righteousness. Now, just that verse before where it says that God gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. I think it's so important that we speak out what we believe. It's so important that we speak out because when we declare what God has said to us and we speak it out, there's a power that is released by our faith. And I believe that's what Abraham and Sarah did. They spoke out that they were choosing to believe God. They were choosing to believe that he was working behind the scenes. And that verse, again, I believe is for someone in this group, if not more than one, that, that God wants us to, to, to call forth the things that aren't yet, to call them forth as though they were already here. That's faith. That is faith. That's believing faith. And so can you imagine after receiving God's promise, after receiving this boy, then God turns around to Abraham one day and he says, I want you to take Isaac now. This chapter tells us, he reminds us that all the promises were in Isaac. And God's now saying, take Isaac, your only son. God's testing him and asking him to offer him up for sacrifice. And you know, when I think of this, I think of how often God does test us. Are we going to cling on and, and, and think we're going to do it? Or are we going to totally allow it and give it over to God? And the Bible tells us here in, in Hebrews chapter 5 that, that Abraham concluded, verse 19, that God was able to raise Isaac up even from the dead, from which Abraham also received Isaac, figuratively speaking, in a figurative sense, because obviously God didn't let him die. So can you imagine God testing Isaac, uh, testing Abraham, and can you imagine this old man, can you imagine the predicament that he was in? What am I going to do? God's asked me, he's asked me to give up my son. And the Bible clearly tells us that he began to think, he began to judge as God faithful. He began to realise, well, you know what, God's, God's so great that even if I offer him up and he dies, that God can raise him back to life again. That's the kind of faith that we need to have. The faith of resurrection. The faith that your dead dreams and the things that, are, that seem as though they've gone are impossible. When you choose to believe that God can resurrect that and God can do it, that's what pleases God. That's the kind of faith. And so you see this old man and he's walking with Isaac and they're walking a long distance and, and Isaac's carrying the wood and they're walking towards Mount Moriah. Do you know where that is? That's in Jerusalem. That's the, the, the Temple Mount. That's where they were walking to, Mount Moriah. And when they got there, and Abraham starts to make up the, the altar, and, and Isaac says, well, here's, the, here's the, the altar, Dad, but where's the sacrifice? We have no sacrifice. And then when Abraham goes to take his son and put his son on the sacrifice, you know, there's no, no record anywhere of Isaac struggling. And we would reckon from, from looking through and working out, uh, <coughs> working out time frame that Isaac was a strong lad, that he wasn't just a child. He was a strong man, but he didn't struggle. You know why? Because he's a picture of Christ. Because he was a willing sacrifice. And so Abraham is actually going to go through with this because he believes that even, he knows that all the promises are in Isaac just as all the promises are in Christ. He knew that the promises that God had planned for him to bless the world, 
He knew that they were all on his son, but he was still willing to take his knife and to go ahead and to slay his son. And just as he lifts the knife, God speaks out from heaven and says, don't lay a hand on the son, on the, on the boy. Now I know that you fear God. Abraham had passed the test. He was willing to totally trust God. You know what? If you read the rest of Genesis 22, you'll see that God was so pleased with Abraham's faith and his obedience. You, if you, when you read that, you'll see that God released the blessings again. He confirmed the blessings over him. And you know what? I believe it was through that experience that God gave Abraham the privilege of having a preview of what God the Father was going to do when he sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. That's why Jesus could say that Abraham saw his, the time that he would live in, saw his day and rejoiced to see it coming. Do you know what? The, the, toughest, the toughest tests that you go through are the ones that will give you the greatest joy. Abraham rejoiced. That experience didn't devastate him. That experience gave him insight to God's heart to the point where he was, I believe he was dancing about rejoicing because he, he was privileged to, to see what God was going to do away down the centuries. He, he had believed in faith up until now, but God would, had actually opened his eyes and given him like a visual aid as to what God's plan of redemption was for the world. Isn't that amazing? That through your deepest, darkest valley, that God means it for good and God means to expand you and show you what his plans are and show you how that you can trust him even more and that you can be a blessing to the world. That's what it's all about. It's about expansion. Over the weekend, we talked about enlarging. God wants to enlarge the place of your tent. He wants to, to lengthen your cords. He, he, that tent that you're living in is not meant to be a wee narrow place. He wants to stretch it out. But the only way that you can have a greater capacity is by going through trials. And when they come, the Bible says rejoice. James, chapter, chapter 1 of James' epistle tells us, and, and sometimes you think that's a crazy thing, you know, whenever trials come, to rejoice. But you know what? If we really understood God's heart, we would know that he would take us through the trials and he'd bring us into a place of rejoicing. And you know what? I know that there's many of you going through deep trials far worse than anything I've encountered. I know that. But you know what? God wants to take you through. He just wants you to come with an open heart. And he just wants you to be real with him. And he just wants you to say, you know what, Lord? I'm going to totally trust you. Here I am. And you know, it's so important that we just come openly. And we come, we're real. So often I come to him and I just say, Lord, I just know I got that all wrong. And I confess my sin. And there's just something about coming and saying, I know that you forgive me my sin. You wash me, forgive me. Lord, I'm going to trust you for the next step. That's what God wants to do. That's God's plan for us. That's God's plan for you. No wonder God called Abraham his friend. What an amazing thing. Jesus said you're no longer servants, friends. Isn't that amazing? Apart from being the bride and apart from, from being the daughter of the great king and going to live in the city of the king, apart from all of that, he counts you as friends. Abraham, God says about Abraham one time, he said, shall I hide this thing from Abraham? God wants to be able to trust you with secrets. God wants to be able to, to whisper to you stuff in the night. 
and to give you secrets and, and to expand you and to enlarge you, to make you into a person who can carry more and more and more of his Holy Spirit and become a greater and greater blessing to the world. Isn't that good news? I tell you what, I want to expand spiritually. I, I know I'm expanding physically, but I'm not so keen on that. wouldn't mind uh, going back a little bit on that. But see, spiritually, I would love to expand and to stretch out. And I know you would too, or you wouldn't be here. That's why I know that you're here. And you know what? When we delight ourselves in the Lord, what does it say? He will give us the desires of our heart. He's taken you through to a good place. He knows where he's taking you. He knows what he's doing with you. And he wants you to trust him. Even going through hard times, he wants you to know that he is able to take you through. The question today is, are we going to trust him? Are we going to judge him to be faithful? Are we going to step out in faith? Are we going to walk by faith and not by sight? And are we going to are we going to reach out to the left and to the right and see God moving in our lives? Father, I thank you that you're always a faithful God. I thank you, Father, that we can trust you completely and absolutely. And Father, I just pray this morning that you would reach in to every heart and that you would touch in a supernatural way. Lord, that that every woman in this place would make a choice, would make a decision, decision that you are faithful, that you can be trusted. Lord, that every one of us would move from where we are to a place that's closer to you, to a place of more intimate knowledge of how much you love us. I pray right now that you would just pour out your love upon every woman in this place, that there'll be a sense of your presence and of your love rising up in every heart. That there'll be a sense of expectancy and of joy. That you know what you're doing. That you have been working up ahead of things. That you have stuff prepared that hasn't entered into the heart of their heart just yet. Your word says that you're, you're stuff prepared for us that hasn't entered into the heart of man. Lord, I pray that every woman this morning would get a grasp of that. That you have stuff planned for their lives that they haven't yet imagined. But you need them to trust you. You need them to believe you. So Father, we thank you for this word. And we pray, O oh Lord, just as we sing this song, that we might really mean this, that you are the faithful one. That you are our rock of faith. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just stand and we'll just sing this song. I know it's one we all know, Faithful One, So Unchanging.